Welcome to The Power to Create Yourself with Ross Rameen. If you or someone you are close to is dealing with addiction, there are so many programs out there that can help you. But how do you gauge which ones are going to work the best for you? Some are expensive, some deal with some of the issues, but don't get to the heart of the matter. Others treat the problem at a basic level, but don't determine ultimate success. Join us now for an hour that sets out to be truly groundbreaking and will help you discover how to find the best program for your addiction problem. Now, here is Ross Ramin. Hi, good morning and good day to you. We are coming to you live from Los Angeles, California at the Rebos Treatment Center. My name is Ross Ramin, and this is The Power to Create Yourself. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. I really, really appreciate it. Um, before we get started today, I'd just like to do a couple shout-outs to the Voice America team. Um, all you guys for the last few months have uh, really dialed me in, and I really, really appreciate it. You guys know who you are, and I really appreciate you for doing that. Um, I, my goal for this show is is that I want people to really understand what addiction is, uh, what the the trials and errors and goals and successes that can be achieved during it. I want everybody to really grasp the idea that this isn't a bad stigma in this world, that this is actually can be a gift. It can be a total blessing of what goes on and what doesn't go on um, for people when they uh, realize that they have a drug or alcohol problem. Um, Today, we're going to have a guest on today. Her name is Betsy Spear. Um, she's been in this business for quite some time. She's a licensed psychologist, and we're going to get to her in our second segment. But I think for the first segment today, I want to get to of who I really am and what my goals of this show are um, going to be and um, what I hope that um, you as listeners can um, understand and hopefully grasp from. Um, I got into this industry about um, about eight years ago uh, because I was a I was a raging uh, drug addict. Um, cocaine was my drug of choice, and um, I had been through multiple rehabs. I think eight eight or so, to be really honest with you. And it took me a quite a long time to actually grasp what I was doing and what I wasn't doing. Um, and when I finally understood what was going on uh, with everything. It just my whole life changed um, to kind of circle back to who I really was. I was a fifteen hundred dollar a day cocaine addict, um, and my life was totally out of control. Um, I was trying to fit into a pair of shoes uh, that were not my own, so to say. Um, I was trying to be somebody that I wasn't. Um, for the majority of my life, um, I had society, I had people, um, I had family, um, either telling me who to be. Or I was trying to live up to certain expectations that society would give me or family would give me, which really isn't realistic um, in the long run. Um, you can't be yourself. Um, as I like to say to clients when I talk to them, um, the only way to really have success in this world is to find your personal rhythm. And that is one thing I definitely did not have um, as a personal rhythm. I beat by the somebody else's drumbeat, so to say. Um, and for the multiple treatments that I went through, um, that still kind of continued. Um, I was always kind of forced to learn um, that I had a drinking and a drug problem, which to me made, was kind of like the no-brainer of the whole thing. I didn't pay all this money to come to a treatment center and to come out of my day-to-day -day life just to kind of accept or acknowledge that that was the case. 
you need to do that in order to have change. But I always knew there was something bigger, and I wasn't getting that when I went to treatment. Um, I wasn't getting that um, when I would go talk to a therapist or anything along those lines, um, spiritual advisors, therapists, um, life coaches. And it wasn't really until one day, um, actually um, one day I had a therapist, he had said to me, he goes, what are you doing? And I said, what are you talking about? And he goes, you've been going around and around in circles for years now, coming on almost a decade of chasing your own tail. What are you doing? I said, I don't know. Um, I said, I'm just trying to find myself. And he goes, you can't, you can't do that. You can't just go find yourself. You have to go out there and start creating who you want to be. And you have to stop listening to what everybody else wants you to be and stop being such a pushover. You have to start believing in something. Because if you don't believe in something, Ross, you're going to fall for everything. That's what his quote was to me. And for whatever reason, that day, it just it just clicked for me. Now, granted, I didn't know who I wanted to be. I had no idea who I wanted to be. All I knew was is um, the path that I was going down was not sustainable. Anyway, I was a classic floundering person. Um, I would finish everything halfway, um, if I at best, halfway. Um, if I wasn't finishing halfway, I had a lot of great ideas, but at the end of the day, there was always somebody else's problem of why it couldn't happen. There was always a wall in front of me that was impossible to go around. Um, there was just nothing that could, there was nothing that would make it go. And then once that starts setting in, you start really thinking to yourself, well, I guess nothing can happen. So then you start looking for handouts. And when you start getting handouts, start looking for handouts, people are like, why are you looking for a handout? Um, that doesn't make sense. You have all this potential, potential that I obviously could not see at all. So when I, once that therapist, he finally told me that I had to start creating who I wanted to be, my life literally changed. It wasn't that I was fighting addiction every day where I was trying not to drink or do drugs every day. Because that's what they say when you when you relapse. That's what your relapse triggers. Um, you should be looking out for that. Don't drink. Don't do. Don't drink and don't do drugs. And what are the things, you know, your triggers that would make you want to drink or do drugs? So I was always hitting the big triggers. You know, don't go to bars. Don't hang out with certain friends. But really, what it was coming down to for me was is I had to. I had to. I had to grab a hold of the emotions and the beliefs behind the world that I was in. Because if I didn't do that, then, you know, if I didn't do that, I wasn't going to go anywhere. Because people don't relapse by tripping, as I say to the clients all the time, you don't relapse by tripping and falling into a pile of cocaine. Um, you usually relapse by you have an emotion that takes advantage of you, overwhelms you, and you can't control it. And the only way to control it that we know of is, is to medicate it through either alcohol, drugs, whatever your drug of choice is in this world, food, sex, shopping, doesn't matter. Um, and so when I was finally able to, to grasp that, that my emotions are what triggered every single part of my success or my failures in life, you know, that's when it really started rolling for me. And that's what I really try to explain to the clients that we have here at the Rebos Treatment Center in Los Angeles is this isn't just about you admitting that you're a drug addict or a drunk. I mean, that's great, and you need to do that. It's just like it's just like verifying that you need to lose 20 pounds at the gym. I mean, yeah, you need to lose 20 pounds, but it 
doesn't mean that 20 pounds goes away. And it doesn't mean since you want to lose 20 pounds that cheeseburgers and ice cream are going to all of a sudden taste bad. There has to be an action. You have to work very hard while you're at the gym. And not only at the gym, you've got to work very hard when you go to the grocery store and you make your shopping list. And then you've got to work really hard when you're at home. It's the same thing for drugs and alcohol. Just because you want to quit drinking and just because you want to quit using drugs doesn't mean you're going to quit drinking and quit using drugs. It's not that easy. I wish it was that easy. It's not. You have to get control of your thoughts, your beliefs, and your emotions. And on the biggest level, you have to have a spiritual awakening, which I call finding your personal rhythm in this world. Because when you find your personal rhythm in this world, that means you're going by your own drumbeat. That means that you're really rolling on your own. You know, you can listen to other people's ideas and thoughts and beliefs, but and you just you accept them for their own, but they're not yours. It's almost kind of growing like a little bit of a tougher skin on the outside of your soul. Your soul is actually extremely resilient. It's very, very, very tough. Your soul does not give up. You just have to give it a shot to really shine through. I believe that each of us were created by whoever you want to believe created us to be, you know, to to go by our own drumbeat and not to be such followers. I tell our clients all the time, I said, it's your turn to be a leader in this world. Each of you are leaders. And it's your turn to become one. So when we work with our clients and when I was working with myself, and by the way, there's nothing that I have our clients do here that I haven't done for myself. It was a long process, a very hard process for myself and for our clients um, here at the treatment center. But what really came down to it is just, you know, you take one day at a time and then you take two days at a time. And you, you really start to look at the little feats that you do in this world that actually turn out to create who you're trying to become. And as if you don't know who you want to be in this world, that, that's, that's okay. That's okay if you don't know who you want to be in this world. I bet every single person that's listening now can probably say who they don't want to be. And that's even a better place to start because... I always tell clients, and as my therapist had said to me, um, you know, over nine years ago, he goes, "If Ross, I understand you don't know who you want to be, but let's start with who you don't want to be. And I said, well, that's easy. And that was, you know, eight notebook pages worth of single line space things of what I don't want to be. And I was able to write that all out. And each and every day, it's like, I don't know where I'm going, but I definitely know where I don't want to be. And that's where success really comes from. You know it doesn't work, whether it's to business, whether it's family, whether it's marriage, um, you name it, sobriety, anything in this world. You don't know what to do for the following day, but you darn well know what hasn't worked in the, the days before. That's the biggest thing of the whole thing. You have to really accept what does not work. And that's the one thing that I find with people, and I hope that over the series of the show that we can have experts on that are going to really shed light onto that through, you know, through the mental side of it, through the spiritual side of it, through, the, um, through all different facets of what we do here. I really want people to understand what doesn't work because it's really amazing what we do in this world and what it only takes us one time to learn what doesn't work. You know, it's like you, you get burned by a flame on the stove or anywhere like that. You're not going to stick your hand back in that fire. If you get food poisoning from a sushi restaurant or a cheeseburger place, the chances of you actually going back to that place and, and, and divulging again into their, into their food is, you know, slim to none. 
But there's something about it when it comes to drugs and alcohol, these little insecure things in our life that bring us this uncomfortable coziness that we keep going back to. And the reason why we keep going back to them is because we are out of sync and we are out of our personal rhythm in this world. We're out of the rhythm of the person that we were meant to be and how we were supposed to go through and walk through this world. So I hope that when we go through all this stuff, we're going to be able to really understand what goes on um, and what you need to do. And hopefully we can give you some great advice. We can start um, uncovering some um, some hidden, uh, you know, kind of demons inside of each of us and to give you some ideas and thoughts. The other aspect of this show that I really want to do is Every single day, I get I field phone calls from family members and loved ones um, of people, and they look on the internet, and they're looking around, and they don't know what treatment is. They don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. All the places sound the same. Um, they say one thing on their website, and then once you actually get to the treatment center, it's a whole other ballgame. You know, the pictures don't look like the place. This isn't that, and this is not this, and this is not that. It's so important that we really shed light on what this is because this is a life-threatening disease that we're dealing with here. It affects not only every single family, but I'm willing to bet the farm that it affects at least two to three people in every single family in one shape or form. It's very important that people realize that. And it's not a bad thing. The best thing that I always look back on, the reason why I'm speaking to you guys today right now on on voiceamerica.com is because I was a cocaine addict. And as ridiculous as that sounds, it's kind of an amazing story because 17 years ago when I got addicted to drugs and alcohol, you know, I was a total mess. And my world took me down really dark roads and really dark paths. And I met a lot of really bad people. I had some fun, not going to lie to you, (laughs) had a little bit of fun. Nobody can deny that. But it was dark and it was, there wasn't an end in sight. And as this changed and as this morphed through, because of me being a drug addict, I was able to get a job, crazy as that sounds. Um, I got my first job in treatment. I mowed the lawn of a treatment center I was at. Because I was a drug addict, I met a girl that I could take home to my mother because I was a drug addict because I wouldn't be working at that place um, and not would have met her without that going on. Because I was a cocaine addict, I got a career out of it, becoming a counselor. And then I was able to open up my own treatment center. And now we have one of the larger treatment centers in Los Angeles, and we're helping hundreds and thousands of clients per year, and all because I was a drug addict, and I had the courage to look at myself and decide that this was not a way for me to be, and and that my beliefs and my attitude was the thing that was really getting in my way. Because no matter what happens in our life on a day-to-day basis, we are going to get, or something is going to try to derail us, let's be really honest. Something is going to try to derail us on a day-to-day basis. And how we take that, that's really what separates the people with success and not successful people out there, is how you deal with it. How you let it roll off your back. Now granted, there's going to be people and there's going to be situations that definitely get the better of us each and every day. Nobody's, Nobody's perfect here. Nobody's walking on water. But that's the biggest thing that goes on, no matter what. No matter what happens is how are you how are you taking this in? And then how are you processing it? Are you reacting to this or are you responding to it? 
And I hope to teach you guys the difference between reaction and a, resp and a response to any situation that's out there. It actually just comes down to actually thinking about what's going on before you talk. Short story, long story short. But that's the big thing that I want us to really understand here and what we're really going to be doing. And I hope to have a variety of uh, people on in the next few weeks that are going to be able to help us uh, with the chemical dependency side of it, with the spiritual side of it. Um, we're going to have world-renowned psychotherapists on here and the ways that they help people get better. We're going to have clean, uh, pain clinic um, owner, uh, people in here that run pain clinic um, treatment centers that there is a hope for people that are stuck on pain pills that can be able to get off of it. Um, we're going to have psychiatrists on here that can really shed light on to what this pill epidemic that we're all going through right now um, and the prescription madness that most doctors um, seem to be giving out for us. Um, so anyways, that's what our plan is for this whole time. And when we come back from break, we're going to have Betsy Spear on. Um, she's the world-famous psychotherapist. She is known all over the world, um, and she is one of the best therapists that we have here, and we hope to hear you in a couple minutes. Thanks so much. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Getting sober isn't just about not drinking and not doing drugs. It's a way of life. At Rebos, we have a team of talented professionals, each with their own clear and distinct message to walk clients from the darkest point in their lives out into the light. Rebos offers a carefully curated selection of groups and workshops in addition to a minimum of six individual sessions per week. At Rebos, we believe there are no cookie-cutter clients. And we meet every individual where they are at today. It's not a Rebos program. It's your program. Our team wants to help as many people as possible become who they want to be. And if you don't know who you want to be, we'll help you. Visit RebosTreatment.com to learn more about the Rebos Treatment Center. That's R-E-B-O-S Treatment.com. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to The Power to Create Yourself with Ross Ramin. To find out more about Ross and the program, visit the Rebos Treatment Center website at rebostreatment.com. Now, back to the power to create yourself. Hi, welcome back. This is Ross Ramin, and this is the power to create yourself. Uh, we are coming to you live from the Rebos Treatment Center in Los Angeles, California. Um, and we are here today with uh, Betsy Spear. Betsy Spear is one of the Rebos um, psychotherapists. She has been in this um, industry for quite some time, and I say that um, um, affectionately. She's one of the most knowledgeable people I've ever met. Um, she's a teacher at UCLA. She um, teaches the chemical dependency um, certification class there. Um, she has literally helped thousands of people. Um, I watch people come into your office, Betsy, and I kind of giggle because they don't know what they're about to walk into with you. Um, it's pretty remarkable. Thank you. Yeah. Good yeah. morning, Ross. Good morning. Nice Good morning. to be here. <laughs> it's a pleasure to have you, my dear. Thank you. Um, 
Betsy, what my my biggest question is you is when I literally when I watch people, I've literally sent certain clients specifically to see you. I know. I yeah. It's you have a key to people to opening them up like nobody I've ever seen before. Um, and I'm not saying that because you're literally sitting across the you know the table from me right now. I'm it's a fact. You do a hell of a job. What is what is your goal? for each session that you have? I mean, I guess there would be a goal for your first session, but then, and, every, and then every other session is probably kind of grouped together. But what is your goal? Like, how do you go about doing this? Well, when I first meet a client, I, I look them in the eye and I say hello. Mm-hmm. And I watch them, how they sit down. I watch how they move. I watch how their body language is. And then I start with the questions, right? We mm-hmm. have to do the assessment, and, and most of them have done many of them if they've been in treatment before. So they usually roll their eyes, and then we laugh. Mm-hmm. And I say, well, you know, you've done this many times, and uh, hopefully we can make it fun, and we can get to know each other in the process. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the biggest things with me is that I'm pretty, hmm, how do you say it? Um, I let them see me, and I will answer some questions, and I'm pretty funny and personable, Mm -hmm. and I get them to relax. I think that's the biggest thing. When people walk into therapy, they're pretty nervous. Well, that's even if they've been there before. Well, that's my that's my biggest thing. It's like, how do you? I mean, is it your story? Is it your vibe? It's like, because we've got people in here, we call them chronic relapsers, and they've been through this gauntlet. I mean, sometimes dozens, Mm -hmm. and that's scary for people to hear, but we have clients that come to us that have been to dozens of treatment centers in a two-year span, in a lifetime. What... I mean, they come in there to say they have a chip on their shoulder would probably be is is a is a complete understatement. I mean, how do you how do you crack that? How do you make it fun? I mean, because that's I mean, obviously, I know it should be that way because I mean, changing yourself it, whenever you're trying to change yourself, it shouldn't not be fun. Right. Um, I mean, granted, there are some certain circumstances that are not going to be fun to talk about. Exactly. But the end result will be fun because you'll be. You'll have free. freedom. Yeah. Be, they'll be free. You'll be able to and, breathe. And, you know, I think one of the things that I do with them is that I talk about the fact that they've been through the ringer. And they put themselves through the ringer. So acknowledging what the, where they've been. Absolutely. It's like you have been here, maybe not here, but here in this kind of position many, many times. And what do you want to do differently this time? Do you want to do anything differently? Can you do anything differently? And... You know, it's about acknowledging what's going on with them. I think that's the biggest thing. If I can, you know, if I if I sit and talk with you and I notice that you're nervous or I notice that you're angry and I say, are you nervous? Are you angry? Or am I just kind of making stuff up in my head? Mm-hmm. They get to see that I'm looking at them, paying attention, and I may be wrong because I don't have all the answers. And I usually say that. I say, you know, I may be wrong a lot of times here, but I may not be. What do people say when you say that, though? I mean, you they know, don't people, say anything. Well, because that's pretty. That's an honest statement to say. I mean, it's not like, you know, when people come to us, it's like we don't have all the answers. 
No. We don't have all the answers. I almost kind of, I almost kind of consider us as more or less guides or kind of chaperones. We're almost like a tour guide or Absolutely. And I think they like that. If they because they have been to places where the therapist or the treatment team tells them exactly what they have to do every single minute and they can't stand it. And so what I do is I say, "Okay, these are the options. This is what we can do here. What do you want to do? This is your life, not mine." And I, I'm pretty blunt with a lot of clients, really blunt, and say, you know what, if you don't want to do this, that's fine, but I'm not going to lose sleep over it. Mm -hmm. And they're like, they can't believe that I would tell them stuff like that. I, do, I think that they have never heard things like that before from a, from a professional in, the, in this field. I don't, you know, I don't mince words. I think that's one of the biggest things. I don't, I'm not afraid of the clients. I can. <laughs> you, you've you've lit me up more than once. Wow, that, that's a whole other story. Yeah. We can do that another day. No, but it's interesting to, to say that is because we get phone calls constantly from people, from loved ones, from mothers, from dads, husband, wives, um, and they're like, "You're going to fix my kid. You're going to fix my brother, my wife, my husband," and it's like, "Well, yeah," but it's the old saying. It's like we can, you know, we can bring the horse to the trough, but we can't make it drink. Right. Um, and it's and it's also on the flip side too with the clients. They're like, I thought we were going to come here, and I thought people get straight here, and it's what it is. And it's like, well, I wish it was that easy because I would be like flipping on a light switch, you know. And it's, it's not that easy. No. And I tell them that they have to do the work. And I also say, you know, I'm not going to work harder than you do. What does that mean? If I am in there always trying to get stuff out, do things, make the clients do things, ask them questions, all that, and they're just sitting there and their eyes are rolling in the back of their heads, I will stop. And I will say, it doesn't look like you want to do anything today. Is that true? In some days, I bet they don't. No. And that's and you probably, know what? they're probably, it's a valid reason if they've been. They're exhausted. Yeah. So we go play ping pong. Yeah. We go for a walk. I, I guess the question you asked long at the beginning of the, the segment was, how do you get to them? Well, I, you know, there's that old psychotherapeutic statement. I meet them where they are. Why, well, you know, and I'm I'm not trying to ask you know like a radio show host to a person that I don't know the question uh, or the answer I should say, but that's half the reason why we open this place. Right. I have never seen an industry, and this is going to kind of rub some people wrong way as I say it, but, you know, to each their own, but I have never seen such a industry that literally doesn't meet people where they're at. Every single industry in this world, whether it's a mechanic, customer service, wherever it is, it's like, what's going on? And that was the biggest thing that I had found when I went through treatment myself is they are, they are putting this is not this is not the way it's supposed to go it's like i have all this other stuff it's like basically pouring concrete concrete um for a foundation of a house on unsettled soil they're throwing you into a, either a 12 step or a non 12 step program so fast when they're not even looking that i'm literally still on a ledge i there's not enough room for me to hold your book your 12 step or non 12 step book anywhere at all I, I mean, and so let alone trying to get me to talk to this, I need to be talked in through the window first and foremost. Why do you think, I mean, you go to a cancer, you have cancer, you go to the, you go to the, you know, the doctor, they take care of it for you. 
you know, they go, this is what the first thing is. We're going to start here, and this is how it's planned out. Why do you think that is? Why do you think people, it's like, it's so obvious. That was the first thing you taught me, I, you know, to show my cards a little bit. I was in Betsy's class at UCLA, when, and that's where we had met almost, almost eight years ago. And you had said that to me, and I thought that was just, I don't know why that just, like, clicked in my head. I mean, it is kind of like a no-brainer thought, but... And it really came to show later as I worked at other treatment centers, it's like, we're, I'm being instructed not to meet somebody where they're at. It's like, this is what we're doing. Today's day five. We're supposed to be here. That doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And, and, and the, the thing that, that is so problematic is that people relapse when they don't want to. People relapse in the middle of working whatever they're working whether it is uh, a step or uh, they are in the middle of treatment or whatever it is, they w may relapse. It's, it's, a, it's the strangest thing about the, this, this addiction problem. And, and meeting people where they are, if they're in the middle of a relapse, then still talk to them. Don't let them leave if you can. And see if they'll come back. I think there's two types of relapses, though. Absolutely. There, I mean, there's the relapse where you get people that are like, I, 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 I don't know what happened. I just, I, I needed a beer and I had a beer or I just, I had to smoke a joint. I had to do whatever I had to do. And then there's the people that have a case of the, you know what, right. and they just like, eh, I'm out. Um, and those people, it's, it seems, for at least for me, it's harder for me to reach them because they obviously don't want to be reached. Then there are the people that are just like, I, you know, I'm underestimating this. I'm just, I really, really, really want this. But I, I messed up. Um, and I always tell clients, at least, if you're talking to me like that, I, I dig that. I don't mind that. Tell me the truth. I want to know the truth of what's going on with you. And what would you Whatever learn? Whatever it is. And what'd you learn? Right. What'd you learn? Like, I had a client this last week who said that she doesn't know and had a blackout sober a year and a half and ended up drunk for five weeks. Has no idea how she ended up in the liquor store. Does not remember it. I mean, that must be so frightening. And so, I don't know the answer to that question why it happened, right? But I do know that when I listened to her and I said, you had a sober blackout, she went, oh my God, that's exactly what it was. And nobody had really said that before. People don't really realize how much and I didn't realize this. I thought this was right and wrong when I got sober. Like, you know, uh, you know, I came from a family that's that's sober. My immediate family is, and, uh, and they're not sober. Like they went through the program. They're just sober. They just don't drink. They don't do drugs. It's just what they. That's just not their cup of tea. Um, so when I looked at them, and no fault to their own, I just thought this was like something. It's like I just, you know, this is not what I do, and. But as I went down the run, it just turned out to be so much more. And so when you see people like the story you just said, there are so many underlying issues that fuel this fire. And it's, you know, it's, you know, it's so bad because it just, it just fuels the fire of what, what this actually is. And it's so underestimating. This isn't a will desire, a will and a desire not to drink and not to do drugs anymore. This is finesse. I mean, this is really getting to know yourself. I tell clients all the time when they come in here, it's like you're going to get to know yourself for the first time ever. 
I just had a, a little moment and thought of a question to ask her the next time I see her. Mm -hmm. What would that be? Well, there was something emotional going on for her for sure around that time. And I have a feeling I know what it is. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to ask her that question. And see, one of the things that I do with the clients is I ask them tons of questions. And not the yes-no questions, but the questions that kind of help them think about their life and the trajectory of what is going on with them and what has happened. You know, the past and present and future. And, and you know, a lot of therapists have uh, certain... Uh, orientations um, and and I have a few different ones you know there's the cognitive behavioral there is psychodynamic which is neo-freudian and you know so I look at the clients from all perspectives and they're you know what what happened in their early childhood what happened in middle years when did they start using and what was going on around that I look at attachment theories I look at all kinds of stuff I've been reading, you know, for the last 25 years, different articles and books and theorists, and um, I take a little bit from each with what works with each person. You know, I, uh, you know, I work with each person as an individual. I won't do the same with you as I will with, <laughs> with John over here. Mm -hmm. I won't. Yeah. And, and I think that is. But there are many people who will do the same thing with every single client, with yeah. every single person they meet, they'll do the same thing. And I think that is what separates a good therapist or clinician from a not such a good one. I that you have to play around and figure stuff out, figure out what works with the person sitting in front of you. This is a total puzzle. Yes. I mean, because it's not, and you know, when it's I was- not a mathematical equation. No, it's just not like this or that. Um, it's not this or that. It's, I mean, you're, you're literally going into somebody's childhood, somebody's past, something that happened last week, mo you know, and you are having to unravel this to really find out, like, where you went wrong. Or, you know, for me, it was, I know exactly where it was. It, you know, in high school, I wasn't socially where I wanted to be. And I bought a bag of weed from somebody. And that's where it took off from. There you go. And just so I could fit into a group, I sold myself out. I didn't know I was selling myself out. I thought I was just going to be hanging out with a good crew. What about, you know, in the next segment, and I just kind of want to lead into a little bit before we have to take our break, you know, I want to talk about family. Okay. My biggest thing with family is, is they don't think it's their issue too. It's, they are like, here's my kid, here's my wife, here's my husband, you know, fix, fix them. them. Yeah, and it's like, okay, I'm going to need your help too here with this. And they're like, well, it's his problem. It's her problem. And I'm like, well, actually, you don't realize how infected, lack of a better word, that you have become by their actions. And, yeah, how to go down with that whole thing. Oh, we can talk about that for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you – I want to – um. That's the. I got a phone call from a family the other day, and they were just going totally sideways with me. And I finally had to get kind of firm with them. And I said, "Listen, Mister So and So, um, you know what? Your son is just he's dying here, and he's going to come. He's going to leave our treatment center in three weeks, and he's going to have to come back to your house. And 
he's fixed because in 30 days he's done basically a year's worth of therapy and you're still the same guy going to deal with the same son in the same way when your son has actually changed. Well, there's the issue, isn't it? The, the, the client, the Family patient... has to work too. They're going to walk into a... Bu the, I mean, people are walking into a buzzsaw. The one that made them too. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Which is so hard for them to see that. It's my mom, it's my dad, it's my brother, it's my goldfish, it's what, it's whatever. Um, you know, that they wouldn't do this to me. They love me. You know what? They do love you. They do care about you. And their actions may kill you. Absolutely. And that's really hard for them to hear. Absolutely, they, they may kill them. can't see that they have any part in this. They have no idea. What do you, what do you think that reels down into? Well, who wants to take responsibility? It's about taking personal responsibility There's for the everybody. There's the honey hole right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is the most, you know, ladies and gentlemen that are listening, this is the most baffling thing on the planet. It really is. You know, your son might be doing heroin, but it is definitely affecting your whole family, just not physically and spiritually and morally. It's deeper than that. It really is. It really, really is. It gets in such nooks and crannies you don't know what's there. The family members have become a totally, you know, different people just on how they react to even the people that aren't doing the drugs or the drinking in the family. It's really spooky. It's really, 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 really spooky. Anyways, we're going to wrap it up right now, um, go to break, and we'll be back. We're going to get more into family. Thanks for joining us. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Getting sober isn't just about not drinking and not doing drugs. It's a way of life. At Rebos, we have a team of talented professionals, each with their own clear and distinct message to walk clients from the darkest point in their lives out into the light. Rebos offers a carefully curated selection of groups and workshops in addition to a minimum of six individual sessions per week. At Rebos, we believe there are no cookie-cutter clients, and we meet every individual where they are at today. It's not a Rebos program. It's your program. Our team wants to help as many people as possible become who they want to be. And if you don't know who you want to be, we'll help you. Visit Rebostreatment.com to learn more about the Rebos Treatment Center. That's R-E-B-O-S Treatment.com. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to The Power to Create Yourself with Ross Ramin. To find out more about Ross and the program, visit the Rebos Treatment Center website at rebostreatment.com. Now, back to the power to create yourself. Hi, welcome back. This is Ross Ramin. This is the power to create yourself, and we are coming to you live from Los Angeles, California at the Rebos Treatment Center. 
Um, before we get into family, I just want to give everybody a little uh, background about Rebos a little bit more, because um, as we were about to get into the family talk, I think it's important that people really understand um, what happens in treatment. Um, upon admission here at Rebos, every single client, uh, they get a six-person team to work with them. Um, they get their own psychotherapist, they get a um, chemical dependency counselor, a spiritual counselor, a case manager, a biofeedback specialist, and, um, and a psychiatrist to help manage any medications if needed. Um, you meet with each one of those clinicians at a minimum of once per week. Um, most gives a, more individuals in a week than most inpatients give in a month or four months for that matter. And the reason why we do that is a lot of what we've been talking about today is to get to really to the root of what is going on here. This isn't just a drug and alcohol problem. This, if it was, I would just have one therapist and it would be a chemical dependency counselor and that would be that. But we have to have a team that literally surrounds the client on all different specialties. It's just like any other disease or any doctor, anesthesiologist, you have nurses, you have all these different caregivers around it that all have different specialties to, to deal with the beliefs and the attitudes and the addiction, the family. And I really want to get into now um, Betsy is Betsy Spear, who's joining us right now, the world famous Betsy Spear. Um, she is uh, she's a legend. Um, you are. You're a legend. You in are your mind. Legend. In my mind, please. <laughs> um, when somebody's talking about you across the pond over in Europe, I, you're, you become world famous. It's just in my book, that's what it is. Um, no, but I really want to ask you, and this is kind of, I want you to help me, I want you to kind of lead this part of the conversation because it, it is uh, more of your expertise. I definitely have my ideas, you know, that families should get involved as soon as possible. Um, you know, what, once it makes sense, to, the whole thing, it shouldn't be put out. There shouldn't be, after two months, now we start. Hey, it might have to be two weeks. It might have to be two years. It totally depends on the family situation. Exactly. exactly. I mean, it's it's totally dependent. It's more kind of what we were saying in the last segment about really meeting a client where they're at. And now I guess it's really meeting not the client where they're at. Well, yes, but also meeting the family really where they're at. Because there's some there's some very loving families that are actually they're they're catastrophically dangerous or they're catastrophic catastrophically loving <laughs> in the wrong ways what uh, what is your idea of family and how this should roll out for people and so that when people are you know either if they call to, here to rebos or they call any other facility um, this isn't just a big pr a plug for rebos it's really a plug for what you need to look for you know, because if you live down in Louisiana, you know, you don't need to come all the way out here to California. We'd love to have you. But these are just some good questions for you to ask if you're looking at another treatment center on whatever their topic is. When this family component gets going and somebody's giving a call in, hi, Susie Q is my daughter and she needs to come into your treatment center. What is your family program like? What, what should they be listening for? Well, they want to... Many treatment centers say that they have a family component and a family weekend or a family week or something like that. And that's all fine. Remember, the clients are there every single day. And the family gets a day or two, a day or two, maybe three. Mm -hmm. That's not sufficient for 30 days versus three days. Well, a day or two, let's call it three. We'll say three. Okay, we'll say three. 
and the client's 28 years old. So three days worth of treatment. For the family. For the family, when they've been together. 28 years. 28 years. It's not enough to break anything down. What I like to do with families, I like to talk, especially if they're not living in, in town and we have to communicate on the phone. I have a, at least an hour conversation with them the first week that the clients. Your goal to. would, though, I mean, even if they're My not in town, would be to get them to come out. Would be, yes, but, but first, I don't, here's the deal. I would prefer the clients being in the treatment setting for at least a week so that they get their treatment legs. So that when the family comes, they won't get so triggered because the family triggers the clients. Absolutely. All the time. Mm -hmm. And so I want the client to be firmly entrenched in their program. Then during that first week or first two weeks, I will speak with the family, whoever's the, the, the mouthpiece for the family. Sometimes it's the mother, the father, maybe it's both. I, Thank God when it probably when depends on the subject too. It's the subject. It could be the, the spouse, that could be a sister, it could be an aunt, grandmother, whoever is in the client's life. And we speak about what their understanding about addiction is, what their understanding about what their loved one's addiction <laughs> pattern has been, and where what their role is in that person's life and how they see themselves in that life. It's about also making connection, building rapport with the family as much as you do with the client. 100%. Right? You have to get to know that family. And so phone calls, I sometimes have them do a whole, there, there was a, a treatment center I worked at once that did a whole six-page family screening wow. form. It was fabulous because you get a lot of information. You get mental health, mental illness in the family, you get addiction in the family, you get to see how often the family was in that person's life. Did they do holidays together? Were they, were they a family unit? Or were they kind of, was there a divorce, separation, whatever it is. Are there chill, other children involved if it's, if, if it's a married couple? Um, and so I want to find out what is going on with the loved one. Do they know what addiction is? If they don't, the first hour that they come to the treatment center for that family weekend is all about psychoeducation about addiction. Then the next hour is all processing their feelings around having to be there because many of them have been in this position many times and they're pissed off. They don't want to be there anymore. They feel like it's a it's a revolving door and a just this, you know, the the rat on the wheel. Yeah. So they, they have a lot of feelings. So it's about getting all that stuff out and figuring out what's underneath all those feelings. Because that's really what therapy is about, right? Getting underneath what's going on. What's really going on? What's that anger? Is it fear or sadness? Right? And, and help them kind of tease it out so that when they meet with their loved one, they're not so reactive, and that they can listen and see maybe that they have a part in this, maybe that they've been doing enabling that, that catch word enable, you know, enabling them to be in their addiction by feeding them, by clothing them, by sending them to every treatment center that they can think of, by giving them money, cars, whatever it is. And if many, it's not how many that, you, you know, <laughs> as I think about that, you know, there is nothing 
more terrifying than being pointed out your flaws, your part in a situation when you are not expecting for that to happen. Well, I don't exactly point it out to them. I ask a bunch of pointed questions so that they can figure it out for themselves. Well, I know. Okay, so and then the lights come come on and they go, "Oh my God, what have I been doing?" Well, that that's well, that's what I'm saying. It's like I mean, there's two ways to go. There's two ways they're going to find out about. That's it. where healing starts. Because when you know, but, you but, okay, granted, that, that's where healing starts. But yes, <laughs> but you just you know somebody has just been embarrassed, either because. You know, they had to have it pointed out to them because of that's how the situation was going, which isn't ideal. We always like to have people, you know, come to this realization on their own, Absolutely. which alone is embarrassing. So, I mean, you're kind of dealing with somebody that's like, it's, it's embarrassing. It can be embarrassing. You know, it's taken me nine years that there is nothing that I take more pride in now than pointing out where I'm wrong. I, I, I'm so comfortable with being wrong right now. You know, we have over 40 people working here, and I, I don't care who they are on the poll. I am all about, if I'm doing something wrong, let me know, and I'll fix it. But when you have somebody that has been doing life, there's a right way, a wrong way, and then there's their way, mom, dad, brother, sister, aunt, uncle, whoever, gold, the goldfish, <laughs> whoever that is at the house, and they have to realize that, okay, not only am I wrong, how I've been raising this kid or, or been living with my wife, my husband, whatever it is, that now I have to look at myself. Mm -hmm. So I just paid you X amount of dollars to come to your treatment center and now you're flipping this on me? Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's what yes. you say. Yes. yes. And, and it's not that I'm saying that they're wrong. And that and, and 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 that's what people hear that they're wrong, right? And I'm not saying that they're wrong. And then we get to have a dialogue, and they I get to criticism. talk about stuff, and yeah. I get to talk about okay, this is a disease that is deadly, and I go into educating them about the disease again. I have to do it many times, just like you know, there you know the alcoholism, the ism, I S M at the end of alcoholism is incredibly short memory. And families and loved ones have it also. We forget that if that if we did that and it didn't work, we're going to try it again. And we're going to try it again. And then they get to see that those things don't work and maybe they need to do something different. The other thing that I point out is that it's a deadly disease. I have a family that I've been working with. They live, uh, you know, I, do, I make house calls. One of the things I do is kind of fun. Yeah. And, and I've been working with this family with this young man who is a methamphetamine cocaine addict. And they have enabled him to be that for 25 years. He is an only child. They have given him everything. And it's killing him. And I told them that. Now, they weren't that happy to hear it. But they are not doing that anymore. And they have some freedom. See, what happens with the family members They must have so much guilt. I mean, I would think logically, like, nah. if, they're, um, if they're seeing what's going on, you know, they must have so much guilt of what's going on. You don't see that? And fear. And fear. They're yeah. afraid. Because what, you know, they're doing hasn't worked. So maybe they need to do something different. 
And that's what I try to help them with. Can you do something different? These parents are not giving him money anymore. They are going to some self-help groups. They are calling me when they want to call him. And they are letting him, he said, I want to live my own life. So then let him live his own life. Yeah. And when he's good and ready to do treatment or get some help, they'll be there to help him. Yeah. But the more they enable him, quote unquote, the more they are wrapped up into the disease. And when they stop enabling, they get to step back and take a look and then have a life for themselves. Because what happens with family members, it becomes all about the addict, all about the disease, and their life and their health is completely put to the side. And so they, they, they're not sleeping, they're not eating well, they are not going on vacations, they are not taking care of each other or themselves. What do you, you know, we, we've got a couple minutes left here, yeah. and I want to make sure that we can give some good advice to the people that are listening. What, you know, let's pretend that a fan, uh, you know, there's a family out there listening right now, and their their loved one is not in treatment, but they need help mm -hmm. at some point. What do you think, besides calling up a treatment center, what should they be doing? Like, what can they be doing to kind of settle in their own mind? Or learning how to live with them, or whatever it is. Maybe maybe seek out a professional uh, family therapist mm -hmm. who specializes in addiction. Mm -hmm. Having somebody to talk to that isn't their spouse, if it's if it's a child and they have you know they're married, there's a family unit, because you can't help each other because you both have your own stuff going on. You need outside help. You almost need like a guide. Yeah. You know, um, almost like a life coach. <laughs> to guide to help guide your heart because you're leading with your heart and your heart is almost hurting the person even more. Right. So you need really to, to make a separation between your head and your heart. Yeah. There's Al-Anon meetings out there that, that are Parents Anonymous. Idea. I mean, there are all kinds of things to go to. Yeah. Um, the, the biggest thing is to look for some help for yourself first. Right. Well, Betsy, I really appreciate you being here today on my first show. It means the Thank world you, to me. Ross. It really so means the world to, to me. Um, and um, everyone, my name is Ross Ramin. This is The Power to Create Yourself. Um, we are at the Rebos Treatment Center in Los Angeles, California. You can find us at Rebos, R-E-B-O-S, treatment.com. If you haven't figured out what Rebos um, is, it's sober spelled backwards. Um, we really appreciate you joining us. Uh, we'll be back here next Tuesday uh, morning at 9 a.m. Pacific. Um, and we look forward to hearing you know, talking to you again. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us this week on The Power to Create Yourself. We hope to have you tune in again next Tuesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition with Ross Ramin on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have an enlightening week.